It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Strive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Cleveland Clinic. Access the number one care in Ohio anytime, anywhere. By Subway, the official training restaurant of the Cleveland Indians. By KeyBank, the banking home of the Cleveland Indians. everyone, welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland, where unfortunately it is quiet and uh, folks here are beginning that process of cleaning up the ballpark and uh, putting it to bed for the offseason and the long northeast Ohio winter, which came earlier than expected this season after a tremendous regular season for the Tribe. They were Defeated in the American League Division Series by the New York Yankees in a five-game series, three games to two. Coming up on this week's show, we'll take a quick look at the week gone by, a disappointing week gone by for sure, as the Indians had that two-games-to-none lead heading into Game 3 of the Division Series, but the Yankees end up winning three straight. We'll hear from Indians General Manager Mike Chernoff. We'll also hear from... Indians President of Baseball Operations Chris Antonetti and Tribe Manager Terry Francona. That's all coming up as Tribe Talk gets rolling on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Chapman's ready. Here's the one-two pitch. Up and in. Strike three call. The ball game's over. And the Cleveland Indians season comes to a bitter end. Jackson questioning the call by Jeff Nelson, but it's a moot point. The Indians, who are up two games to none, have fallen to the New York Yankees as the Yankees sweep the final three games and eliminate the Indians here in Cleveland tonight by a final score of 5-2. to two. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. And each week during the season, we do take a look at the week gone by, and this is our final chance to do just that, and not a good week for the Indians. After the bitter defeat in Game 5, Tribe Manager Terry Francona spoke to the media about the disappointment. All right, first question for Tito. We'll start right up here. To your right, Tito. Tito, what was your message to your guys after this this one? 
Oh, man, you know, whatever you say isn't going to make anybody feel better tonight. But, you know, we, we win together and we lost together. Um, you know, it was, it was an honor to go through this year with these guys. And there's times that hurt, like tonight. But it's, it's quite a group. And I feel like a better person for going through the year with these guys. Questions for Tito? Uh, right here, please. To your right, Tito. Uh, if this is already asked, I apologize. But uh, this could have potentially been Carlos's last game as a member of the Indians. If he does indeed move on, what would you miss the most about him? Oh boy, I don't know if I'm ready to even think about guys moving on. I mean, we're, we're, we're eight minutes from digesting a loss. Um, I, mean, I love the kid. I hope he's not moving on. But it's way too... The game's still a little too raw to go into that yet. Questions? Uh, right here. Right. Kluber gave up the two home runs. What would you make of his stuff tonight, though? You know, starting out, I, I thought first inning was came out of the shoot good. You know, he didn't locate the, the first home run to Didi. He yanked it all the way across the plate, but then he gathered himself and went back out and looked good. I just thought quickly his stuff was starting to trend down. Um, you know, even the, the last thing, he got a strikeout on a hanging breaking ball. Um, it just wasn't the normal crisp, you know, especially the movement. Is, a lot of pitches were flat. In the first row, Tito. Tito, you mentioned a couple of days ago that maybe he might have been fighting his back. Do you think that played any role? You know what? I think he's fighting a lot. And, you know, I think you also have to respect the fact that guy wants to go out there and, you know, he's our, you know, he's our horse. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. To your right, Tito, against the wall. Tito, I know, like you mentioned, it's still early, but what are some, if any, of the takeaways that you take away from this season uh, if you've begun to even wrap your head around that? No, not yet. We, we, uh, there'll be time for that. Like I said, I mean, we literally, you know, five, ten minutes ago, we are out there playing. Uh, you know, nobody wanted the season to be over. It uh, it doesn't wind down. It comes to a crashing halt. And nobody, myself included, was ready for it to be over. Anything else for Tito? John? T Terry, I know they all hurt when, when they come to an end, but... In this season where you accomplished so much and, and had such a great year, does this one hurt maybe even a little more than, than some of the other years? Uh, it's disappointing. I mean, we 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 felt good about ourselves. You know, we came down the stretch playing very good baseball, and we did some things in this series that I don't think were characteristic of our team. We made some errors, kicked the ball around a little bit. Um, you know, sometimes you don't swing the bat. That That's part of it. But we, we made it harder to win you know, in some cases, especially the last two games. Anything else for Terry? I'll take one last one, Jason. I apologize if this was asked already, but um, yeah, bad from Gardner, just grinding it out. And also, was there any temptation to pitch around him or at least, uh, you know, put him on once it got to 3-2 and take your chances with the judge? No. I mean, it was an unbelievable at bat. But... I, I, I don't, I mean, how, how, you can't foresee him having 
been found how many balls off. If we walk him and judge it's a ball 500 feet, I would have a hard time living with that. You're, you're going to walk a guy to get to a guy that drove in 100. No, that, that would be hard to do. Tito, you and your team are real class act. Thanks Thank for everything. That's Indians manager Terry Francona following game five, a 5-2 to two Yankees win that advances New York to the American League Championship Series. When we return, we'll visit with Indians general manager Mike Chernoff. That's after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. We want to thank you for being a part of this journey all season long. It was an incredible ride. I think all of us will agree with that. And the thing about baseball that makes it so maddening and yet so enjoyable is the unexpected run to the World Series a year ago and then this record-breaking season in which the Indians set an American League record and in the process won 22 straight games. And yet... They get off to a great start here when the first two games and then a stunning conclusion as the Yankees win the final three and the end of this season comes on October 11th when none of us probably saw this coming. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with Mike Chernoff, Indians general manager, as the season has concluded for the Tribe after a loss in the division series to the Yankees. And, and Mike, we are talking earlier about uh, abrupt endings to seasons, and, and it's wonderful to make the playoffs. It was a tremendous year, but uh, there is that empty feeling right now, isn't there? Yeah, I remember feeling the same way in 2013 when we played that one-game wild card, um, and it just ends, and you're, you know, it, it's almost sort of shocking to the system. You go, Tito always talks about it, you go 100 miles an hour up until that last minute, and suddenly it's over. I think when you look at last year, you knew that was the last game of the season either way. Obviously, it was disappointing to lose, but... Um, you knew it was going to end and felt like we left everything out there. I think looking at this year, it ended pretty abruptly, and um, we had played so well in the second half with that 22-game win streak, and um, you know we were like 54-15 and 15 in our last almost 70 games. So it was, it was challenging to have it end in that way. And when you look back on it, uh, the series offense really struggled from players who had had great seasons, and can that be the nature of this game sometimes? And, and is it difficult from your perspective when you, you plan and put players in position, but sometimes they are human and, and don't perform as, as expected? Yeah, we forget about that part sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that's exactly right. We as a team hit 170 or something like that in the postseason. And, you know, the top four or five guys in our lineup really struggled. It wasn't anything that you could have foreseen all those guys were on fire towards the end of the season in a lot of ways and helped carry the team to where we were. They just went cold at the wrong time and, and unfortunately did it together, and that happens in baseball sometimes. And you look at that as, as being an outlier, you hope, obviously, in the future because this team is lined up to, to make some runs again. Because they performed well in the postseason last year, can you look at it as just that, just one of those things that happened this time around? Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, you can't. You, every, you know, you want to write the narrative of exactly why things didn't go well and point the finger at something. And I think when you look at the way this team played in the second half, it's pretty hard to do that. You know, we just, in in a few situations, just didn't hit our best. Those top few guys didn't hit their best. Um, Kluber obviously wasn't quite himself and didn't have 
the best outings in either of his outings, and we didn't play the best defensive baseball we could have. So, you know, you and we, we still almost won the series. We were up 2-0 and had chances to win it despite not playing our best. So, unfortunately, that's the way the ball bounces sometimes. And you look at your roster going into that series, and I know there were some some hard decisions that you had to make based on the health of certain players, uh, like a Michael Brantley and a Lonnie Chisenhall, who were getting there, but but I know didn't have the at-bats that they would have liked. And how difficult was that heading into the series to try and gauge where they were and, and what they could do? Yeah, anytime you have uncertainty, it makes it really challenging to make those decisions. Um, you know, I don't. You look at all of them. I'm not sure there's anything that. You, you'd want to change based on the outcome of the series or anything like that. But I think we definitely had a lot of uncertainty, even even through games three, four, and five, with Edwin down with the ankle and making decisions about whether he could get back into the lineup. Um, you know, you, you, you've got uncertainty, and you have to make the best decision you can. And thankfully, our medical staff got all of them back out on the field so they could try to contribute, um, but it certainly made it more challenging. Mike Chernoff joining us, Indians general manager. So sometimes when a season ends as it did with the Indians, it, it's hard to look forward and, and feel good about the future. But i got to believe with, with some of the youth here and, and some of the, the players coming back that you feel great. And what is it that has you excited when you do start looking forward to next year? I think there were some incredible positives from this year. It's hard to, um, you know, to reflect on that immediately after a series like that. But if you think about the the amount of grit and perseverance this team showed, we were 48 and 45 half game up in in on July 20th, coming off that horrible West Coast trip, and just dominated in the second half. And you saw us clicking on all cylinders. We had basically one of the best pitching staffs, performance wise potentially in the history of baseball, which is pretty amazing to think about, both starters and relievers. Our offense was a really deep lineup, one through nine, and even into some of the depth and bench players that we have. And we look up into next year, look, there are some guys that we're going to have tough decisions on who are potential free agents heading into next year, but the, the large majority of our team is coming back, and I think that puts us in a really good position as we look ahead to the offseason. And you mentioned potential free agents. Jay Bruce, Carlos Santana, Brian Shaw, Austin Jackson, Joe Smith. Is it realistic to, to have all of them back, or will you have to make some, some of those hard decisions, pick and choose based on, on what is available? Well, I think all of those guys have set themselves up really well um, in how they contributed this year, the way they go about their business, um, all exceptional guys in the clubhouse and on the field. So, you know, I think to their credit, they've done a great job. They're going to have a lot of opportunity and alternatives. We hope that we can play on those guys. We would love to try to bring them back. It seems like that interest is mutual, but there are hard choices that you have to make um, as you look at where your openings are um, or where we can potentially spend our money. So we'll have to work through that over the course of the off season. And certainly the, the part of the organization that has been so huge for this franchise since he arrived is Terry Francona. And he had just mentioned a little bit earlier this morning that uh, this was a, a difficult year for him physically, uh, but where do you see him, and, and can he recharge the battery, so to speak, in this offseason to where you and Chris and, and the rest of the front office are really comfortable with where he is health-wise to do his job? Yeah, he's an amazing guy. I mean, despite all of the health issues that he had, you know, he was out during the All-Star break uh, with that surgery, and yet look at how good our second half was. It's 
he, he's an amazing guy who um, whatever he was going through physically, he was still able, able to bring his A game every day into the culture of the clubhouse and his decisions on the field. So I think this will be an important offseason for him to get a little bit of downtime, recharge. He went through that surgery last offseason on his hip, too, that um, really just made it a short offseason for everybody. So, you know, we I think he's looking forward to at least getting a little bit of downtime, relaxing a little bit, and being completely recharged for next year. And in wrapping things up, timeline-wise, uh, what's first and foremost on your list of things to do here heading into the offseason as we get deeper into it? hug my kids, spend a little bit of time with the family. Uh, and then, you know, free agency picks up really soon after, right after the World Series is over, essentially. So we're going to be doing a lot of preparation. We'll get our scouts in here um, and go through our typical off-season planning uh, in preparation for five days after the World Series when it really kicks into full gear. Uh, Mike, I know a perspective at a time like this is really important. It was a wonderful season, exciting season. Thanks so much for, for being a part of it on occasion over the course of the summer, and thanks for stopping by. Thanks, Rosie. I appreciate that. That's Mike Chernoff, Indians General Manager. Stay tuned. More to come after this on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland, where on Friday, manager Terry Francona and Indians President of Baseball Operations Chris Antonetti met with the media and talked about the disappointing finish to the season, and uh, with a couple of days to think things over, Tito talked about how, well, the memories and disappointment are still very much fresh in the minds following a, a tough loss in the American League Division Series. Terry, what's the, what's the ceiling do you see for Bradley Zimmer? What, he's, what, what did you like about what he did this year when he came up? And then what's the ceiling? What, where do you see it going? I'm not sure he has a ceiling, which is very exciting. Um, you know, for a kid that was, by all listening to all the reports, you know, in, from the player development people, still a little bit raw, his defense was so good. Um, you know, he never missed a cutoff man. You know, he, he made all the plays in the outfield and then some. So, you know, it's exciting. Um, we don't know where, you don't know where young players are going to go. You know, well, they can hit for average, they can hit for power, or they can do both. Um, there's so much to like about him, though, that it, it gets exciting. How did him getting injured, obviously, you know, the kid that played center, but how, how did that dynamic come into play, and was there much of an effect in, in the postseason because of the kid playing in center, and then those types of things? Well, I mean, I don't remember many balls that were hit that that weren't caught that would have been caught. Just wasn't that many opportunities. I, I don't know how to answer that. I mean, you don't know if if somebody played, would they have gotten hits if this guy played? There's no way to know that. Um, I think when he got hurt, I know that we were concerned because his defense was so good. And we looked like a little bit different team when he took over in center. But when a guy gets hurt, you make adjustments. Chris, when you guys acquired Jay Bruce, he came in and made an immediate impact. How interested is the club in resigning him, and what's the likelihood that he's in the Indians uniform next year? I think, as you said, Jay made an extraordinary impact both on the field and in the clubhouse in the time he was with us. So, we've got a lot of things though that we need to work through with our roster and how we configure things next year. But I can tell you, we've got a lot of interest in Jay, and um, 
you know, would love to have him back, but we need to figure out exactly how all the pieces fit together. But he certainly did his part. Chris, how much of a concerted effort will there be in this offseason to try to get a Lindor signed for long term? Well, we've got a lot of business in front of us. Thankfully, we know Frankie's going to be here for a while. Um, we do have some things that we need to work through with guys that are becoming free agents that will be the you know, priority for us at the, at the start of the offseason. And then typically we take a look at our internal extension candidates as we get towards closer to spring training. Terry, how important was uh, Brian Shaw? I know you uh, used him quite a bit, but how important was he for you this year in the past several years, and how much would you like to see him uh, well, I, mean, I think his when you look at his body of work over the past five years, it kind of speaks for itself. He, uh, I think, a little bit to me, he was like that the lineman, like you never people really never talked to him about him unless you missed a block. You know, you'd, you'd hear from time to time people grumble about B, but he was available almost every day of the whole year. He took a lot of pride in it, and. Having a guy or guys like that out there, I can't tell you how much it means to a manager and a pitching coach that they, they're available. And so often he would go right through the middle of the order and carried a lot of work for five years. Right after the game you said um, you really did some uncharacteristic things in these last few games, you know, moving the ball and that sort of stuff. Now, almost 48 hours later, do you have any other thoughts pertaining to you know what happened in those three games? Well, what happened didn't change. I mean, what I meant was that we well, we just it's not going to change. We made some errors, and I thought that was uncharacteristic of our team. I still feel that way. It's that's not going to change. Um, you know, it just we were facing a team that was that had really really strong pitching. And we didn't hit very much at all. I think some of our hitting was covered up like in game two by the, by the way we came back. But I think for the five-game series, we hit like 161. 171. 171. We had an OPS barely over 500. And we still almost won the series. But we, we also shot ourselves in the foot more than once, which makes it really hard. Doesn't mean you can't win. But it makes it harder. With him out there in center and kind of seeming to want Jose at second, do you have any preliminary plans for how you want to use Kipnis going into next year? Well, from my side of it, we wanted Jose there now. I think of the way the season ended, continuing to move him, especially when we had an opening in center field, didn't make sense. I don't know that we need to make a decision today on what we're going to do the rest of the year. We have time to think about that. I think it did make sense for going into the playoffs. Terry, which was more disappointing, the way that this season ended or the way last season ended? Probably this season. Um, you know, last year I, I was so proud of our guys' efforts, and I thought they, they expended everything they had. So, yeah, you're disappointed you don't win, but I think the pride won out. This year, you know, and I know it's hard for people to understand, but the season doesn't wind down. It just comes to a crashing halt. You know, I, you know, you come into your office one day and you're 
you know, you're going 100 miles an hour. The next day you come in and it's over, and it's hard to accept, you know, especially when you don't want it to be over. Um, you want it to be over on your terms, and it didn't happen that way this year. So it's, it's difficult. Now, we're not the only team that has to deal with that, but it's, it's hard. Just mentioned that you know you have there are obviously a lot of decisions to make this off season. Mm -hmm. Are you going to take time to decompress maybe and then get back to it, or are you already thinking about next year and the decisions that you have to make? Well, we've had some of those conversations already. That's similar to what we do, you know, what we did last year is when we get to the postseason, there are these parallel paths that we work down as a front office. The primary focus is on making sure we're prepared and supporting Major League staff and Tito as best we can with what we have going on in the postseason, but this, there's this parallel path that we're working on off-season planning and decisions that we have uh, in front of us. So that process has started and something that will continue over the next few weeks. Given what you went through this year, the physical, you know, the health issues, the scares, all that type of stuff, you still, contain, still possess the great zest to continue on this for a long time? Being a manager, uh, this was probably the hardest year physically you know I've ever had. I don't remember ever feeling this wiped out at the end of a year. Um, I need to I need to go back home at some point and regroup and you know and and work towards next year because I felt like at times this year I I think I, I made it harder on people. Guys like Millsy. Millsy picked up so much of the slack for me sometimes, Mickey and the coaches, and I don't want to do that. So I'll, I'll get home and really recharge because I feel like if you don't, you, you can let some people down, and I don't want to do that. So I'll make it a point to, you know, especially, I mean, I, I couldn't help what happened with my heart, but I don't like the feeling of, leaning on people so much. They're supposed to lean on me a little bit more. When you say recharge, just disconnect from, you know, keeping track of what's going on in the sport? No, I can't do that, nor would I want to. Yeah. I just mean, you know, you get home and you can, I can swim and I can get stronger and, you know, just things like that. Without the, without the, the game hanging over your head that night, you're able to get away. I don't want to completely get away. I mean, I like to stay involved with what we're doing, but I just need to recharge. This will, this one was this was harder for me physically than it's ever been. How would you feel if Mickey Callaway got the manager's job with the Phillies? I didn't um, I think that's a little bit more speculative than I'm comfortable with. If if our co how about if I answer that in general? Okay. okay with that? Yeah, sure. I think it's I think it's respectful when if teams want to interview our coaches, if they announce it and they talk about it rather than us, I don't think any of us are comfortable going that route. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Does that kind of speak to I mean the interest, the reports, does that kind of speak to how good your staff is that so many other teams have potential interest in, in your guys? And I'll be surprised if there aren't guys that teams want to talk to. We have some really good coaches, and I have a feeling of, that there will be some guys that interview for jobs.
Thank you. That's Indians manager Terry Francona and president of baseball operations Chris Antonetti. Stay tuned. We'll have some final thoughts after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you for our final segment in the final week of our show where we actually talk about the games being played by the Indians, and we were hoping that this wouldn't take place until that first week of November. But a disappointing finish to the season for the Tribe on what was a wonderful season. They finished with 102 wins, second best in franchise history, only the third time that a Cleveland Indians ball club finished with 100 wins or more in a season. They wrapped up the regular season 102-60, and second consecutive year that they won the American League Central Division, and no one will ever forget the American League record 22-game win streak for the Indians. That was uh, on the minds of so many, not only here in Northeast Ohio, but throughout the nation in late August and the first portion of September. What a ride it was this year for this year's Cleveland Indians. And, uh, yes, I know for fans out there, it ended far too soon. But a lot to look forward to in the offseason. As we heard from Chris Antonetti and also Mike Chernoff, they will be hard at work trying to make sure that the roster is squared away and set to go to make another run at it come spring training in 2018. Now we'll conclude this week's show with a tribe tale from Indians Vice President Bob DiBiasio. It's time for another Tribe Tale with Bob DiBiasio. Joining me now in this edition of Tribe Tales is the owner of a perfect game in Cleveland Indians history, Lenny Parker. Lenny, thanks for taking the time to connect with us. And before we dive into uh, baseball talk, uh, catch us up on the family and what you're up to these days. All right, I got. Uh, I have six kids, a daughter. They just had a grand. I had a grandchild a year ago, and I just found out that one of my sons, my older son, is having a uh, baby also. So I'm going to be a two-time grandfather. Congratulations! And my my uh, other three kids are living at home. Three boys, Jared, uh, Blake, and Jake, and they're all going to Chardon High School, and they're playing football and basketball and baseball there. So that keeps us busy. And I'm also now at Notre Dame College, which is a great thing going on over here. Yeah, you've been doing that the last couple of years. Uh, uh, you've really taken to uh, um, teaching the game of baseball to, to young collegiate players. That really does have to be fun for you. Oh, it is. It's a lot of fun. I enjoy coming. It's a thing that you you know you get up in the morning and you want to come to work and uh, and you enjoy what you're doing. And it's fun seeing guys change from freshmen. And then they come in after the senior year that they've developed and uh, they go on to be uh, great citizens. And hopefully here in the future we'll have a couple guys to get drafted uh, in the Major League Draft. That would be a wonderful story if that could happen. Well, you obviously, being a college coach, will uh, be teaching uh, some 21-year-olds at uh, Notre Dame College. Do any of them have uh, the sense that when you were 21, you broke into... Uh, Major League Baseball, uh, actually you broke in at, what, 20? But when you were 21 uh, in the 1977 season as a young starting pitcher, uh, you joined a pitching staff that had Gaylord Perry, 38 years old, Doyle Alexander, 26 years old, Burt Blylevin, 
26 years old. Doc Ellis, 32 years old. And Nelson Bryles, 33. What was it like as the young kid uh, walking into uh, that rotation? Uh, it was great to get up there. And those guys, uh, especially the, the Hall of Famers, uh, Bylevin and uh, Fergie Jenkins and Gaylord, just, just learning from those guys. They taught me a lot when I came in there as a rookie. And, and you know, to, to be on a team with three Hall of Famers, especially being a pitcher and those guys are pitchers themselves. It, it was tremendous feeling. It was, it was great. My first game, I flew my mom in to watch me pitch, and uh, that was a great, great experience to see, to have her there to watch me pitch my first big league game. What were some of the things that you took away from that experience, uh, you know, being the young guy with uh, veterans around you that you might be uh, utilizing as a uh, coach these days? Well, first of all, they taught me to, you know, back then a lot of things were a lot of pressure on rookies coming up. But those guys, they looked out for the rookies. They showed them uh, what to do. So that's what I do as a college coach. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, you get a freshman coming in. He's 18 years old, and he's playing against 21, 22-year-old men. And where they used to be the best on the team, now they've got to struggle, and, and they're going to fail a lot. So that's what I do a lot is, is just talk to them a lot, encourage them, and uh, – and make sure I keep pumping them up because they are going to fail, and that's part of life. But it's how you uh, how you get over failure and what you take from it to get yourself better. And it's been working pretty good here. we got a good program, and it's getting better and better. Well, you're a 19-game winner with the Indians, leading the league in strikeouts. And we'll get to the perfect game in a second. Just some general um, recollections of your time in the Cleveland Indians organization. Well, it was great for me because, first of all, when I got traded, now it's kind of a shock from Texas, but Cleveland is the uh, it's a team that gave me the opportunity to become a big league starting pitcher, and, and they gave me a shot, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm for always grateful for that. So I, I learned a lot from those uh, older guys that they, they kept telling me, your time will come, and, and that's what happened. It took a trade, and, and, and that's what happened in Cleveland. I, I became a pitcher instead of a thrower, and I had some good pitching coaches, on the way, I had Sid Hudson in uh, Texas, but then uh, I had a good pitching coach here. We all, a lot of people will remember Dave Duncan. He's gone on and done great things. So he he's just showed me the uh, things about pitching, not throwing, and uh, that's how I developed. And he helped me a great deal. Well, let's talk uh, a little bit about that perfect game. One of the things that some people may not remember is uh, what Burt Blylevin had a uh, uh, a no hitter uh, going. Uh, in Minnesota, and our manager, Dave Garcia, had made a move in left field um, that uh, ended up uh, uh, probably costing Burt uh, his no-hitter um, when taking Joe Charbonneau out of the game in left field, putting in Larry Littleton. Uh, take us to a conversation you had with Dave Garcia late in the game uh, when he might have been thinking of doing the same thing. Well, Dave came up to me in the uh, dugout, and he goes, uh, I'm going to put Joe and take Joe out of uh, left field, and I'm going to put uh, Larry Littleton in for him. I said uh, to Dave, I go, Dave, if you take uh, Joe out of the game, you got to take me out of the game. So he <laughs> left uh, he left Joe in the game, and uh, the rest is history. But, uh, you know, Joe was a pretty good outfielder. He could get to the ball, and he caught it. But uh, I didn't want the same thing to happen. Uh, and I... I try to pitch around Joe anyway out there. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, you know, it's it's interesting, though, that, again, the skipper came to you. 
Um, and instead of just making the move and, and you having to live with it, I think that was one of the, the great things about Dave Garcia, the communication that he had with his players. Yeah, Dave was good at that. I mean, he did like rookies. He put a lot of pressure on those guys, but he uh, he would come to the veteran players that had been around for a little while, and he would ask them different things, and uh, and that's what he did. I appreciated that update, and I know a lot of guys on the team did the same thing because he, uh, he was a good manager. You know, he, you were there. You know, we didn't have a lot to work with. We had good pitching. We didn't have the good hitting, and uh, Dave did a great job for what he had there, and it, it, he, he did ask the players a lot, especially the veteran players, uh, about different things and situations. One of one of the best uh, we both have ever uh, had the pleasure of our paths crossing, uh, Dave Garcia. One last item on the perfect game. Um, people I know have asked you many times if you were nervous going out to the mound in the ninth inning, and uh, I always love your response. I was real nervous. I walked out there, picked up the ball, and then I dropped it, and I almost fell flat on my face. So I, I was pretty nervous. But once I started getting my warm-up pitches and getting back into the flow of the game, I, I was fine. But, yeah, you know, I, I knew what was going on, and everybody that was uh, playing on the field knew what was going on. So there was, a, there was a lot of pressure on a lot of guys. Some guys didn't want the ball hit to them, and some of them did. And, uh, you know, they, of course, they told me that after the game. So, But it, there, it, it, I'd be lying if I didn't say I wasn't nervous in the ninth inning. Well, it was one of the great moments in Indians history, and we thank you for taking the time to uh, connect with us, Lenny, and uh, we wish you and yours uh, the very best and all the luck at Notre Dame College, sir. All right, Bobby. Thanks a lot. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Take care. Lenny Barker, our latest Tribe Tale. It's always been great to have you along with us here on Tribe Talk. And remember, this is a year-round weekly show, so we will continue with our shows throughout the offseason. We'll take a look back at some of the great games of 2017. Also have some special guests and keep you up to date on any transactions and moves that the Indians make during the course of the hot stove season, which uh, unfortunately is upon us a little bit too quickly for most people's liking. So uh, we hope you can join us next week. We'll be right here at Progressive Field for you as we continue with Tribe Talk throughout the offseason. Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. We want to thank you again for being with us all season long. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Thanks so much for being some of the greatest fans in all of baseball. And, well, we'll be with you next spring training. It starts early next February. I don't think any of us wants to think about that right now. This was too disappointing, but that's what makes this such a special game. Thanks for being a part of it. So long, everybody, from downtown Cleveland. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazon's 
of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 